0: Welcome to the Don Podcast, a Minnesota music conversation recorded at CCX Studio, produced by Javi, engineered by Jimmy Morris. And now, here's Don. We're joined on this episode by Ryan and Pony, Ryan Smith and Pony Hickson Smith. Uh, Kai Irons first introduced me to Ryan. Ryan. Um, when he was doing his Teenage Rampage deal. That's the first time I met you. Um, For Pony, the first time was uh, a Hundred Flowers show, and uh, that's actually a lot more interesting, so we're gonna start with that story. (laughs) Uh, A buddy of mine uh, took me down to uh, Spring Inn for an outdoor show in the parking lot. There was uh, four or five bands playing. Um, Hundred Flowers was one of them, and uh, we were sitting there and we heard a couple of bands and then uh, just before you guys come on, he leans over and says, uh, the bass player here is named Pony and she has a fan club. So wait, wait just wait till they get up here. And uh, you came on and there's like three girls next to us and they just started screaming Pony the whole time. <laughs> there were some people across the uh, parking lot that were yelling your name, yelling all kinds of stuff at you. Uh, I believe somebody came up and gave you flowers at that show. Um, that must be a great feeling to know that you bring that much joy to people when you play.
1: playing. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, guess I, didn't, I don't remember it for some don't you? reason. I think but I kind of do. I kind of remember the flowers. but Yeah. Um,
0: it, yeah. Was, it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had never seen anything like that, and, and the people just really, you know, kind of engulfed you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was very well supported um, as far as that and that was really encouraging cuz being in groups with people sometimes it can be hard and discouraging there can be a lot of competition even if you don't intend that mm-hmm. um, so when you start to get more attention and sometimes a lead singer doesn't like it or <laughs> and I, I and it's totally understandable um, you know and when you're young you know we were pretty young yeah. then yeah. Uh, maybe it was Nineteen, 20, mm-hmm. 21. I, I, I'm trying to remember when I joined that band. Maybe I was I was 20 when I, I think, or when I yeah. had that band. So, or I joined it. Yeah. And, or we started it. Mark mm-hmm. and I started it. Okay.
0: Yeah, and then I, I, I talked, I think I, I was doing the television show at that time. So after that show, I went up and talked to the lead singer. And I think he said that was like the last show that you guys played together. Because I think I asked him to come on the show. And I think maybe that would have been... I think he said, no, I think this is the one of the last shows that we're doing and I don't think we're doing anything anymore. But um, so I don't know if that gives you a time frame or anything. But but what I noticed of you being being there and stuff is that you really had your own style on stage. You had your own fashion, you had your own uh uh just your the way you played and, and the antics and stuff, and it was really different from anything I'd ever seen before. And and you still have that now, but then behind the scenes you're kinda of quiet and reserve is there i mean is that is that something that you put on for the show or is that something that's conscious or when you get on stage are you just more outgoing and
1: i get like when i go on a stage or and i just noticed this because i just started teaching like fitness classes and <laughs> stuff i get like really poured in like a lot of energy just gets poured in me i mean and i become hyper but i become the person that i want to be mm. i mean i can't handle being that person 24-7 mm-hmm. like I I get like I put it out and then I'm like okay I'm tired <laughs> like I taught a class today and like yeah. right now I'm like I'm tired <laughs> You know, but I feel I mean I feel good mm-hmm. um it's like a good release so right. I'm still being my authentic self I j- um but yeah and it, and I yeah I don't know it, it, <laughs> it's is, yeah.
0: yeah it's a different and then Ryan you're pretty much the exact same on stage you're off stage which is which is which is kind of different for the two of you. I mean, I mean, you really have different because you're married. Um, you know, your life together has got to be a little different than your life on stage. Just, uh, just with your personalities and how things go. You know, you, do you do find that she's a little different on stage than she is at home? Or, I mean, is she more outgoing? I've just known yeah. her from a few times that I've met I her and stuff.
2: I think um, because I know her so well, it's all part of the oh, same yeah. person. You know, yeah. but right. So I I get it. You know. She was raised by two parents that are, are both deaf. And in that culture, they use visuals uh, far yeah. more than, I, yeah, I didn't think you know, hearing had. culture. And right, I think that's right. a big part of it is, yeah, like, facial expressions yeah. and
1: He just nailed it on the side. head. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if I'm talking in front of my parents, I'm more animated. Mm-hmm. So it's like if I – it's like a switch. Like, here's deaf culture. Here's hearing culture. Because right. um, growing up in the – like, I'm bicultural, bilingual – um it was hard it was hard to integrate into the hearing culture I think like I, I did start off like rambunctious and loud and yeah. uh, and and some kids didn't like it yeah. or it, you know culture clashes all the time right. some things that you could say in sign language I would say in English and it'd be like oh you are mean you said that and I'm yeah. like no no I was just- that's just how you describe it, I'm just literal. So, right. it, and then it just kind of squashed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I don't know. I guess that's yeah, another way to look at yeah, it too. Yeah, that really
0: made a lot of sense. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think of that. Cause I know that you do a lot of things with sign language and stuff. And I was going to ask you, uh, Skyler. Then is she learning up? Growing up with sign language and that, and
1: she knew a lot. Now she refuses to use it. <laughs> and my mom reads lips really well, so that's okay. easy to do that. It, that happened growing up too. Okay, um, but you still have to be expressive to get your point across, even if my mom can read your lips.
0: And then, uh, Hundred Flowers was that your first band, or did, were you in a, some bands before that, or I
1: was in a like a you know high school. We played basements um sure. band with and i didn't not in my high school i i hung out with these kids that went to Minne, Minne, minnetonka high school and there was this guy named peter lehmeyer and we both had this like punk rock band called hermaphrodite whore and <laughs> we would just record our songs on a boom box and it was very punk it kind of had some P, P, peter wrote songs on like face to face and i wrote um i don't like more goth kind of songs okay
0: did you play bass in that then too yeah okay mm-hmm. and then and then you were bass in in hundred flowers so did you play other things besides bass or were you basically a bass a bass player there?
1: i was mainly a bass player like it's uh, i did play guitar but i just i it was harder for me to pick up as fast or i just didn't have the right teachers mm-hmm. um but I, I would play it on my own i can make up parts on my own and do all that or, or pick out parts and listen but uh bass was I felt the most confident with
0: and then after 100 flowers is that when you got into a uh, mark moment or or did you write for 100 flowers did you write some songs with 100 uh, Flowers? i
1: would or? like co-write okay yeah do
0: you yeah. write at all or do you always kind of always co-writing
1: um i i do write i'm more confident in my writing now like now i always like to get help um or sometimes like with ryan it's like he he's been really good at like You finish the song, and then you bring it to me, the demo to me, and then he'll put his, like, magical powers on it. (laughs) Sprinkle his magic fairy dust and make it come to life. Uh, Um, um, So, yeah.
0: Did you write some? So you wrote some stuff with the guy in uh, in 100 Flowers?
1: Yeah, just a little bit. Little tweaks here and there. Like, I come up with, like, vocal idea or, like, for my, the chorus or... And and he was very open to people writing. So and 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 it wasn't just him; it was uh, another guy too, uh, okay. Ben, okay. Benjamin Bachman. Yeah, we all had stage names too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is that where you first started calling yourself Pony?
1: No, uh, Mark Malman is how I got the oh, name Pony. Okay. So okay. I was playing for Mark Malman while in oh, the Hundred okay. Flowers. Okay,
0: and, is it, and that's where you met Ryan. Then was with uh, with Mark Malman, right?
1: Yes. And he actually played in the Hundred Flowers too. He oh, played really? most of the guitar on the Hundred Flowers. Yeah, surprise. Flowers. So I you, oh, well, I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, so I wasn't you, on
2: the like in the artwork or in the photo of the actual album, but I played um, a lot of the guitar on the actual record.
0: Oh, how about but not live?
2: Uh, I did play sure. some live shows. Cause um, I didn't think yeah, there was a, a there was a window of time that i don't remember how long it was it felt like a long time but it probably was less than a year Mm. where i was in the band but i think uh i don't even remember the order how it happened either they asked me to play guitar on the record first or i had already been playing live and then played on the record but i felt like when the record was made
1: it wasn't the normal
2: thing that i was doing i felt like it was a thing i was stepping in or something but it's so long ago i don't remember <laughs>
1: <laughs> didn't like ben leave and then you filled in or something
2: i think ben was in the band at the same time but um, like
1: mark like he, i mean he just he couldn't like settle on things like we we're always like we need a new drummer we need a new the we need a, blah, blah, blah. um and uh, so yeah it was, was so many right when you agree like it was just like a lot of things were just changing all the time right right yep and you just go with the flow yeah. right yeah yeah
0: and, but you never recorded with Mark Maulman, right?
2: Oh, Mark Mallman I played on oh. many of his records, yeah. Oh, really? I, I, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah, I go so way back.
0: So you've done a lot of stuff. See, now, I didn't know any of this stuff about yeah. you playing a lot of records and stuff. Oh, you yeah, You did yeah. a lot of studio stuff then, Ben? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where so, you were, with, were you with the Mills Maddox, huh?
2: Yeah, um, yeah I've done. A, I played with lots of different people um, in... Uh, Let's see, at that time, I think I had been, pl- probably when, when you started playing with Malman, I had probably been playing with him for a number of years prior oh, to that. Really? Yeah. Really? the Yeah. Fir- he had his first album, which was called The Tourist. Is that his first record? Anyway, that one was, it just came out when I started playing with him. Okay. And I was friends with the 12 Rods guys. They Christopher McGuire was the drummer for Malman, and he got me to play with Malman, mm-hmm. and then we made at least a couple records before you played with us, I feel like oh yeah, right Cause, oh, cause, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. so we were doing stuff like that. We started at was it third year, we made some recordings there in flowers with Ed Ackerson, mm-hmm. yeah, and then I remember when she when showed up to the first rehearsal that she played with Malman, and Malman just said cats playing bass, and I <laughs> thought he meant Cat Beelan, you know, from Babes in Darling, because we had just played her birthday party, and she was the only cat that we really, that I knew, uh-huh. and he didn't say, oh, it's a different cat, so we showed up, and I was like, I was so confused, I was so
1: nervous, <laughs> I was like, well, I serious. didn't want to just ask, like, wait a minute, who are
2: you, I'm confused,
1: well, another thing, too, like, this is super weird, like, divine, whatever you want to call it, but, like, a voice in my head, like, something came out and said, you're going to meet your husband in here. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so it was... You hear
0: that so much that people say, you know, I looked across the room, and I noticed him, and then I, I just knew someday I was going to marry that guy or something. You know, you hear these movie stars or people on these talk shows say that all the time, or I, I we were just happened to be in the same place, and all of a sudden, it just, I just knew. And that, mm-hmm. you just knew that that was going to be a... Did you have any
1: and he was looking at me and he's confused to add to the cat <laughs> well, you yeah, yeah. and I'm like <laughs> he's always looking confused. Though. What's this guy? you yeah no it's <laughs> <offense>. my look. <laughs> it is his look but it's uh, it's awesome. <laughs> uh
0: so uh how long did you play with Mark then? And and did you ever play in some of his records then or were you just touring?
1: I did some. Oh, I mean, really? I wasn't I don't know. I I was, was
0: always an impression that you were just kind of the backup touring guys, but he and that he did a lot of the music on his records on his own.
1: He he had, he had far superior players than me to do the roles on the records. I mean, he had me play a song here or a mm-hmm. song there, and I don't mean to undersell myself, um, but I don't know. You know, I just, I, th- mm-hmm. I think that was probably best for him, yeah, to, to do that. But I'd be happy to play on a record mm-hmm. for him if he wanted me to. Um, but, yeah, he's just got to do what works for his music.
0: And then when I was doing, I was, was going to bring this up later, but when I was doing the TV show, which would have been later on when you guys were in the Melisimatics, but you did a video for a, a singer that you were the backup band oh, in yeah, the video.
2: Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, we
0: played that and I was so surprised when I saw it because I said, that's the Melisimatics back in her. Oh, did you, you
2: Did you yeah. actually play that? We didn't plan that. That was, um, it was, a, key, it was a yeah, uh, Aslan was her name
1: oh yeah when it was shot. Oh, that you was just shot. hit on another little yeah. nugget oh. yeah that really was mine in here that was at
2: <laughs> paisley park and, oh really and it was that the director it was um i am having uh yeah these uh, are one eric. of those moments that i can't remember my drummer um, a
1: drummer from the higher flowers eric trepbar got us on a uh, well uh, it was
2: shoot. uh uh, he, he yeah, the, the big video. video directors from Minneapolis. Fuller. What are their names? Uh, uh, Fuller. Fuller, Harder Fuller? Harder Fuller, Fuller. was okay. doing the video, and they mm-hmm. basically oh. had the studio band, and the idea was that the, the whole concept of the video, I don't know if you remember it, but it's kind of sad, actually. It, the idea was that she's with her friends in the garage playing, we're and her that sucky was us. Band. We're like her punk oh. rock sucky band in the garage, but we're friends, and then... The idea is that then she becomes professional and has re- she has like the studio band and and i think the idea was, was supposed to make it look like it was moving forward but the comments i heard about the video was like people were saying stuff like oh yeah that's the music business like you 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 play fun cool music with your friends and then the business sucks the life out of you <laughs> you know be so, the
1: girl right is it be the girl
2: yeah probably yeah but
1: look up be the girl yeah yeah, that's right. YouTube. So, right? You'll see it on there.
2: At the end, I remember we were just jumping on the, like, we were jumping over the drums. Yeah, and I was throwing smashing, stuff. Yeah. I ran through so. these, like,
1: wooden, and I'm like, <laughs> the guy's was like, freak out more, freak out more. <laughs> okay. And, I'm, yeah.
0: and that was at Paisley Park? Is, yeah. have, have you done a few things at Paisley Park? or That was,
2: mo- um, to my memory right now, that is the sole experience I feel mm. that I had at Paisley Park
0: okay so you didn't run you run in a lot of different circles then but you kind of never ran in that circle of well of those kind of or you no did? we
2: definitely run in those circles because okay. uh, for I mean going back to Mel's Maddox, like like uh, so Bobby Z you know the drummer yep. of he uh, we were on his label for oh. a while um, and then Matt Fink Dr. Fink mm-hmm. I played with Phil Solem and the Rembrandts oh, with him. I forgot
0: all about that. Yes,
2: and then I'm in a band with Michael Bland. Yeah, who's like yeah. obviously you right. know highly connected to Prince. And then we, you know, um, there there are a bunch of other people locally too that we cross paths with okay. that are from the Prince Road. So no, they, I mean that that world we do, but I just didn't for whatever reason have work to do there. Like it just never. Mm-hmm. My brother did. My brother works in film. He he had to do some shoots for Prince and stuff, and would work there from time to time. And um, I know we know a lot of other people, like sound people, a lot of people that have worked with yeah, Prince. Okay. Oh, and the guy who's been mastering our records is like the guy that mastered a lot of Prince's oh, okay. albums too. So, yeah, it's Minneapolis. You're gonna yeah you're gonna cross paths cross paths with.
0: But I I thought maybe you would have been out there for yeah. a couple other things, or maybe even some live shows out there or anything, but nothing much for.
2: I ever went to those? Did you ever go to those? The, the, the like parties? the parties? Yeah. yeah, those after. No,
1: parties. I I've been invited to go, but I was too afraid to go because I would I had girlfriends who were like, if you you know we're gonna make Prince get you put up, put you up on stage, and well. I was like, no way, I don't want that. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And I don't know, you know, <laughs> maybe I should have gone anyway and just hid in the back or <laughs> run away. You know, away. no one makes you go up there if you don't right. want to go up there. Right. I just yeah, I just and I
0: always. Uh, you know, I, I I'll see something. I, every once in a while, I will go to a charity thing or something. There'll be an all-star band, and I'll be and I hang around with Sean uh, Sauter a lot, from the drummer for the Flamingos. And I always tell him, go up there, go up. And he's and he always says, you know, I'm, I'm I don't belong up there. Just go take a tambourine. How many times do you get to play with these people? You know, you're really losing a, a chance to go and play with some really big people in a one-time deal. You know, I mean, you got you really kind of got to grab. But it seems like a lot of musicians. I don't know. Is there a a uh, border that you don't kind of just cross when people are playing live, or it seems like some people are. I think I think I'm most that way because uh, I'll yeah? make
1: a fool of myself. Like if I don't know the material, well, I'm do bad. You know, I'm not like a big jammer. Right. Even though I guess with some with some things it's fine. It just depends what it is. Mm-hmm. But I, and I I definitely wasn't then. And then I I would throw myself. But yeah. Ryan, go ahead. And well, move.
2: I was gonna say. I mean, I don't. Per, I guess personally, I don't. I I love doing those things. I don't care if I. You know, I'll just. Let's see what happens. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is etiquette, too. Like, if you were personally invited to do it, then you feel like, all right, I'll okay. do it. And if you weren't, it's, like, kind of... You don't want It's it. weird. Yeah, you're, like, stepping on someone's stage. Okay. It's, like, you, you know, you got to, like... I think there's some of that. Yeah. Probably a lot of musicians think, don't feel like they want right. to impose that on somebody well it depends
1: but. like what kind of band you are because remember we had a situation where an old drummer came up and asked to play melismatic yeah, show yeah. i'm not going to use names but um well. and and because <laughs> yeah. we do our thing you know and, and you do your thing right mm-hmm. and it might right. just kind of like oh, yeah off kilter or, it or ruin yeah. the climactic yeah. right. part of the show um i mean i don't care if jeremy elbisacker wanted to come up and mm-hmm. play i'm yeah come up you know or whoever mm-hmm. i don't you know yeah, I didn't
0: think of that as being just a, a kind of etiquette kind of thing that's stepping on someone's toes. You know, I keep telling, like I say, you know, I think it's the coolest thing because I'm I'm not a musician, so I'm not yeah. in that in that in that realm. You know, but it sure seems like you know if you see a bunch of guys, you know, uh, Soul Asylum and Jayhawks and uh, you know those guys get together and like a Golden Smog thing, yeah. and it's not actually Golden Smog, but just a little charity yeah. thing that you know, I'll grab a tambourine and shake it in the back <laughs> and stand yeah, there yeah. and get my picture taken with yeah. them. I mean, it's a one-time, you know, you can go yeah, tell, yeah. Your, <laughs> tell your friends you played with these people, yeah. you know. But I guess for a musician, too, you're playing with people like that all the time. So it's kind of not that big of a deal anyways. Um, back to the music. Uh, so, Pony, what what the what came after? What, did it go right from 100 Flowers to Mark Moman to the Mel's Maddox? Or is there anything else in, in between there?
1: I played in a lot of groups. Oh, okay. Um, but mainly in the 100 Flowers arena. I mean, I played with, like, Ouija Radio, um, this other band called the Bleeding Hickeys. I played drums for them. Oh, really? Um, I remember them. They played around a lot. Yeah. Did they
0: ever record anything? Which one? Bleeding Hickeys.
1: They, I think they did. Okay. But um, oh, who else? I who, would just play with whoever. Like, yeah. I went through a phase. I was like, I'm going to play with everybody. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You know, <laughs> I just want to play. Right. Yeah, there's some there's different phases I went through. But um
0: and, and we we G Radio had some releases out. I remember they had some releases out. Are you on those releases then too or is I that is that kind of a mixture of bands and I I had dimes? an
1: opportunity to be and then I I dropped out because okay. Hundred Flowers started to um do more and I just realized I'm spreading myself way mm. too thin. Mm. So um and it wasn't really the, the direction. I mean, I love the music. It just wasn't the direction that I envisioned for myself to okay. go into. And, yeah, yeah. the whole setup.
0: Well, let's go into a Hundred Flowers song. Um, this is called Spread the Disease. Uh, and you said that they had put out one one album. Um, I saw this on a compilation thing. That uh, is actually what uh, where I saw it. But uh, what, what? where did you record the album and a little history about the... Recording, maybe?
1: We recorded um, at the, at the Terrarium with Jacques Waite, and then we also recorded with Ed Ackerson at Flowers. Mm-hmm.
2: This one was at Flowers, I think.
1: Yep, 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 this one is at Flowers, yep.
0: And are you on this then, Ryan?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, It's his guitar. And I you know. do remember,
2: this is a funny story, I do remember City Pages said, this came out, this was like, we, Mel's Max had a record out, at least one, if not two, and then we had one come out right after this, and it said, it sounds like, the hundred flowers <laughs> guitar playing. <laughs> like like oh. you know. And I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> it does. All right, so this will be yeah, sp- it's funny.
0: this will be spread the disease from hundred flowers. I've
3: got that rock and roll disease cause in the night
0: That was uh spread the disease from hundred flowers uh I'm learning a lot here today for for' cause I had no idea I thought that was uh like I said, but you uh, Ryan, you were saying you played most of the guitars and or quite a few of the guitars yeah as, yeah, in the solo and, and uh, so that's uh and uh you're doing a lot of studio work there and is there some other stuff that uh that you would want to mention, maybe that uh, people would know that uh, don't know that you were actually on it, or, um, or not so much, or is that just well, past, there, past history.
2: I mean, it's past history, even I mean, there's so I mean, but there are there are people I used to work with a lot, like like you know Phil Solomon. And I did mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, t- you know, like we would do gigs, and I'd play bass or guitar uh, for him, and then uh, I did have a little stint playing with Grant Hart, and then that oh, kind of came really? back into fruition. Later, like when he was making his last record, I okay. uh, started playing on that again. Wow. Um, and then um, an album that is at least currently not released. Um, but because it was like right. He was he was writing some of his best songs like yeah. to the end. Like mm-hmm. He kept kept going and we reconnected at some point. I think we saw him at Patti Smith and uh, at the show hung out with him there and then we kind of reconnected and okay. started playing again, but it had been years before that. But other than that, there a whole bunch of like just studio projects and mm-hmm. things like, you know, so.
0: And, yeah. and, uh, the Melismatics, uh, there was, you guys did so much, you did so much touring recording and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it must've just been really busy because you're, you're doing a lot with the millismatics. They were really a busy band. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I first uh, met you with the Melismatics when uh Kai was doing his teenage rampage and, and that's right. and now, uh, did you have anything before I, I i i heard I just heard something the other day that you had a couple of solo things before there? Oh yeah, before? yeah,
2: well, yeah, or that's that... really uh I mean, so I had a high school band, you know
1: <laughs> and your solo <laughs> that, thing,
2: too yeah, yeah, so there, so I had a high school band that was a punk band called Stupid Jerk.
1: <laughs> and I mean that band like so we're teenagers
2: and you know it's like we played 7th Street Entry oh. The Fine Line uh, The Caboose, pretty much everywhere you could play uh-huh. as a teenager getting kicked out after we got off stage and then I even while doing that made a couple solo albums that I was just I'd play all the instruments it would be on in, in those days you'd use like well I only had access to cassette 4 track okay. so you'd do like record three things, bounce it down. Now you got three more tracks, <laughs> bounce those down. Now you have, you know, and then you could get like, so I, so I think I made two or three albums kind of like that. One, mm-hmm. two, three. I made three albums like that. And then when I was about 19, started the Melismatics. Okay. So, um, and that was just the, uh, a band that evolved a lot over time because wow. – and then became a very solid group of people that we felt like a gang and a family. I think, and still do to this day. You know,
0: and, um, and I'm a big fan of melismatics. I always have been, and and I know I could do a whole podcast on that, but I, we can't talk about that all day. So I'm just <laughs> gonna hit a few a few finer points that I want I like to talk about with the with the Um your songwriting, so you were songwriting even before them. I mean,
2: oh yeah, yeah. The songwriting was I the mean, first that's what, thing. That's
0: what grabbed me with the Millers okay. so much was the the, the lyrics uh, and this and the music was just so really good. And so you, I mean, you started really young songwriting, then not, not yeah. really doing covers and stuff. Then
2: yeah, never got in the cover thing too much. I mean, I play covers. It's fun. Yeah, that's great. You learn a lot by playing covers, but writing was where it was at for me from the beginning. Like that's why I wanted to even play music was Mm -hmm. to write something, you know?
0: And, and you just felt that you just started writing. I mean, you just felt like you could just write or you just, it just came to you or I mean,
2: uh, I think it was a mix of like, like my dad had vinyl records and I remember hearing like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan and thinking like, that's really cool. And then I became a huge Prince fan when I was probably like 12 and I was, and then just, he as like the guy he was, you know, mm-hmm. wrote, played everything. Did You know, he was just inspiring to me to be able to do that kind of stuff. So then that, that became kind of what I wanted to do. So I think I really started writing a lot of songs probably at age. Um, well, whenever I picked up the guitar, I really started, I don't remember what, how old I was. I was probably in seventh or eighth grade mm-hmm. or something like that. And then. I was just writing all the time. If
1: he's not writing, there's something wrong with him. Right. I was there's say. something severely wrong.
0: You, you just write all the time. And yeah. I mean, yeah. you've got so many little side things that you put out, and, and, and you know, uh, writing, just it just seems like you're constantly writing. Yeah. Uh, how, it just comes to you? I mean, it's just, it's yeah. just constantly it, you, just, you just write and write and write, and it, it just it's, happens?
2: It's, you know, however you look at it, a blessing, a curse, I'm not sure, but... The ideas come, you know, and then I feel, you know, that's the easy part is like the ideas. And then the work that goes into seeing through the ideas is that takes time. And what ends up happening is I just have this like backlog of ideas. And then I usually don't have as much time to sort through the ideas. (laughs) So then if I get behind on sorting through the ideas, I get really frustrated and, um, you know, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't feel good, so mm-hmm. I feel like I need to do that to see through the ideas, and so, um, yeah. I was so.
0: just kind of thinking of the guy from uh, uh, Guided by Voices, Greg...
2: Uh, Robert Pollard. yeah. Pauler.
0: They say, you know, he writes so much yeah. and stuff, but they say that, you know, he'll just write about a tree or something. Yeah. I mean, but you don't have that. I don't, I don't see a whole lot of throw... I mean, you must have some throwaway stuff that you don't do, but you don't put it out, so but you have so much stuff that you actually put out uh, you know there's there's you're doing the acoustic things uh the side project acoustic things that you're doing you 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 know with the melismatics when you were doing the melismatics and then the, the pony things and, and all the different things that you're doing plus all the stuff that you've got to be not happy with and, and don't want to put on i mean that's just really a lot of writing and you also do songwriting classes yeah uh, and you said you really enjoy doing those songwriting classes
2: I really do it's fun we are just wrapping one up they go just for four weeks and it just one day one night a week for four weeks and it's every time it's just crazy how the bond that people get from sharing ideas and going through that process together is really fun so it's like it's always sad when it's over but we keep doing them so Mm -hmm. it's it's fun again you know you just but when you get to the end (laughs) of each cycle you get a little disappointed it's over but
0: and, and you find it easy to, to help other people song, right, too? Because a lot of people say, you know, I it kind of comes to me, but, you know, and then it comes out, and I don't really don't... It's hard to explain, but yeah. you must be able to actually explain it because you're actually teaching it to other people. So you must be able to kind of explain how you go about, how it happens for you, and how it goes about.
2: Yeah, from, you know, that's one thing is, like, I've been teaching for years and years. I've always been taking, like, independent students on and stuff, and I think by the saturation of working and explaining things and being in a lot of different bands and working with a lot of different musicians, like kind of getting the language of how to communicate and see what someone's vision is and try to get them there to help it. Cause that's been a role I've had with different people, you know, like Mark Malman and, you know, like in the studio, like, well, they have a vision you're trying to get there. You're trying to help them get there. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, that, that, those experiences were really helpful. So I could do things like help people through the process of writing songs.
0: And then you also do guitar lessons. Yeah. Uh, And you've done that for a long time, right? Yeah. Uh, So does that help you with keeping up on your songwriting and and stuff? I mean, helping other people, does that bring ideas into you also?
2: Completely. And then teaching things makes you know it even better. You know, like if you explain something to somebody, it like helps you understand it. Um. So I think it's all been this you know kind of big ball of <laughs> music that works together and everything right. helps every other facet of doing it so
0: But you got to to have a little um something inside of you that wants to teach and yeah. wants to be social yeah. and that kind of stuff so if you think somebody has that feeling that they should try and get into teaching, even though that, uh, you know, try and get into like guitar lessons and teaching and doing stuff like that, that that would help them in their own career oh, by, yeah. by picking up that kind of stuff and that for other people.
2: And right now, especially like everything's gone online. That was one thing since the pandemic that my teaching went online and I've been moving things more and more in the video realm. And um, you can just see it right now, like teaching, it's like a different, there's a different energy around it with music you know, if you look at ads and stuff, it's more exciting now than ever. You know what I mean? Like, I always think of like the teaching of music lessons was like stuffy in a room, right. and like, mom, I don't want to go. You got to go. You got to <laughs> learn how to play this instrument. And now it's like this thing where there's all these really charismatic teachers online, and you know, mm-hmm. sucking people
1: to do it. <laughs> you
2: know, convincing you know like you should do this. And I mean, some of them are i are are great. Some of them are probably not, but. Mm-hmm. But I guess the point is, I think it's a really good time to get into yeah, it. Because the options are out there. the options, right. there's so many ways you yeah. can do it. Uh,
0: and then with the Melismatics, they've, from the early stuff, when you were really punky, kind of clashy, Rolling Stones-ish, and then you really evolved through a lot. And uh, there was a big change when Pony joined the band. And uh, that was the acid test. And, mm-hmm. the, and and there was a lot of change with, you brought in keyboards and stuff. Um, and that was, from what I heard, part of John Fields did the record with you there, and that he yeah. kind of helped bring Pony into the band more and be more upfront. Is that
2: that's true? Is that I th- part of that? Yeah, I think the the way uh, I remember this was we had keyboards like on the record before she joined, and we would put them on recordings, but we didn't play them live because we we're like, the first albums didn't have any guitar; it was all guitar, uh-huh. no no keyboards, and then. We started involving keyboards, but we're like, well, we're never going to play those live. But then it was like, oh, when we got her, we're like, we can actually put keyboards live and guitar. And I think in the first show she played, I mean, she probably felt more like an underutilized um, utility musician adding like, here's the keyboard, here's this. But she really was this rock star that needed to be more front and center. And I think John field saw that. And when we were recording the acid test, um, that was his vision to be like, well, wait, why isn't she singing? Like, you know, why, why are you guys not trading off vocals? Mm-hmm. Why isn't she singing this? And, um, and that was actually something that we actually had wanted to do. We had talked about doing that. Um, but you know, a band is a, it's a, uh, there's a democracy to it on some levels and, you know, just changing things like that can really rock the boat a little bit. So mm-hmm. we were, we were going to ease into it, but the fact that John was like, yeah. he was do. just like, bam. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it was, and that had
0: to help a lot with the band yeah. people too.
2: And
1: that, I didn't even yeah. expect it. Right. I, I didn't really have an expectation to be up front. I was like, well, i just, I thought at some point I would go do a side mm-hmm. and it didn't happen. You know,
0: yeah, and it really changed the the Mel's Max at that time. I mean, uh, the whole music of, that you guys were playing changed, but your songwriting didn't change so much, I didn't think. I mean, mm-hmm. you were still writing the same type of songs yeah. and the same kind of a lyrics of songs, but the sound was, was, was way different. Yeah. So did you feel that, or could could you oh, see yeah. that? I mean, did yeah. you on the
2: inside there? We, we, we definitely felt it, and a lot of it was intentional on some level. I mean, you know, Before John Fields, we were working with Ed Ackerson, who we have always loved dearly, you know, amazing guy. And he's got such a cool aesthetic. And then John Fields came in and he had this completely different sound that he brought in that we were also really blown away by. And we thought this is really cool. And then he, he was, had a vision like the band X. He thought that, you know, that we should be like the band X, you know, and he, you know, so when he saw us live, he Mm -hmm. was like, that's that's where you guys got to go, and and that was his vision for her singing more. Um, and then I think after that too, we, we were you know everybody listens to different music, and you know what you get into shifts and changes. And I think I started listening a lot more of like uh, the Manchester music scene, and you know like retroactively, you know this like the, um, and and so when we made the next records, I think we started using more synthesizers more like uh danceable kind of stuff Mm -hmm. that was bouncing off of stuff that that i was i was listening more joy division and new order and the happy mondays and uh Mm -hmm. you know that i mean all that world and the cure i always love i mean i loved all those bands all the time but uh, you go through phases like so you go through your phase of listening to (laughs) punk rock and then you go through your other phases these things so when you when your band
0: changes a little bit then you can and you see those you see where you can put those influences yeah. bring those into the band and that must be a big deal of oh good now I can go in this direction which yeah. is a little bit different direction and bring these in which 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 would help you expand everything and all yeah yeah and then uh, you started playing pony you started playing uh, keyboards and, and and guitar then and not bass mm-hmm. was that a big change for you and not that much of a change' um. or? And had you played them both? I mean, you were playing guitar and live and keyboards at the same time. Basically, Ryan and I
1: like figured out. He showed me everything to play, what worked, what didn't work, because I, you're retraining, you're training yourself how to um, play this whole other thing to do. Because um, when I played guitar it was like chords mainly power uh-huh. chords, and you know he 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 changed things and modified. As you need and then like even like the parts he normally played like, he that he would back up and back and forth with the other guitar players he he had to switch you mm-hmm. know because I was yep. like I can't play that you know yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um and and not to me you know beat myself up it's just i wasn't at that level yet uh-huh. but um but I liked I did like that I liked oh on this time on this beat I'm gonna go right here yeah and play this and I'm going to go here. And it, it was really fun. It was like a game. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like I like to be challenged. Um, so, and if I, you know, like if I'm going to be up there just strumming chords, well, then I'm going to like have my hair in my face and, <laughs> you know, just, you know. Yeah. It, it
0: And it added a lot to the live show. Ryan was so animated live when it was just the four guys. But then when you got on there, that added, you know, you brought your personality to it. And that added a couple of things to, to watch besides just... Uh, you know some of, some of the other guys that were not as animated as what you guys were. You know, mm-hmm. really really added a lot to the live show, which was, and I was telling a lot of people one of the best live shows at the time. You guys were the the best live show around, and and uh, I always liked going out and seeing you live because it was just so so powerful. You, you had such a powerful band, and then and then your lyrics were so good that I really really enjoyed it a lot. Um, this we're gonna go into Soul Sucker. Uh, talk a little bit about this and this is is this one of your first uh starting to sing or starting to uh, bring yourself forward a little bit
1: so basically like ryan you didn't you sing a take yeah. and then i sing a take and then john fields well how do you think it sounds like this right
2: yeah it, yeah, yeah no that's exactly what happened yeah, yeah. so the story yeah i guess like, and it
1: made it actually came across better right don't you yeah think? yeah like because like, it's like soul sucker like like i kind of felt like i even when he wrote i was like is that a book <laughs>
2: you know, <laughs> no, the story, so just to for the re- set the record straight on that. I hope that, not. so. That, that song. <laughs> so that's I song, do that sometimes. I him. mean, w- once I explain it, it'll make complete sense. Like, so we were we were we were, we recorded that song at CD Underbelly in, in oh, Los okay. Angeles, Cal, oh. where the, the yep. seat, not the Minneapolis yeah. one, but the, the, After the moved, N- yep. yeah, which was a really cool experience. That's where, um, what's his name? The drummer from Toto that played Michael Jackson. Uh,
1: oh, yeah. Um, I
2: don't Total know. mind blank, but yeah, I don't know. Um, it was John? John yeah, but that was his old studio, and so oh, anyway, yep. there, it was a very uh, that was interesting a cool, place. That
1: was a cool place, but uh, oh,
2: But he uh, when we, we when we were leaving for the tour, I had this song that I had demoed that I didn't even think I had a name yet, and Soul Sucker was maybe like a title that was just in my head, and we were leaving the next day, no lyrics for the song. And I was like, all right, I remember sitting at, in the kitchen, like on the computer, and I was like, I'm gonna, I need something to like just hear to get my mind going. So I put in the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is one of my favorite books and movies, and I haven't seen it in a long time. But anyway, there's a character, Nurse Ratchet. I don't know if you're familiar with the story. Mm-hmm, yep. Nurse Ratchet is like taking these people, you know, basically she's society controlling and, and mm-hmm. uh, um, basically. Uh, you know she's this nefarious character in the book, and the song I just started writing about her. So the first line is "Take the acid test," that. which is oh, okay. a reference to Ken, you know, uh, the the author Ken Kesey's, uh, ah. you know, the acid coolid test. And then uh, "Fly over the cuckoo's nest." There's yeah. the next yeah. reference. She's just anyway blah blah blah. So I was setting up the reference, and then the song is really about Nurse Ratchet, but everybody has Nurse Ratchets in their life, right? <laughs> right. So. It's a universal (laughs) thing. All right.
1: One in 25 is a nurse ratchet. Just remember that. (laughs) This
0: will be Soul Sucker from the Melismatics. And uh, that was the Melismatics with Soul Sucker. Divided Devotion. Divided Yeah, I, thanks. Yeah. That came out next. Um, yeah. And that had to be kind of the height of the Melismatics. Yeah. That was really when you got a lot of airplay and touring all the time and had some things going on.
2: Yeah, I felt like that's where things really culminated to being the – I mean, the Acid Test came out and there were some good things going on with that. We were getting some really good momentum, touring a lot. And then, um, That was, uh, Divided Devotions was on the record Mania, and that one we signed to a different label, and John Auer from the Posies and Mm -hmm. Big Star started working with us on production, and uh, we were recording a lot in our home studio and using other studios, and we just, it was a really good time for this band, like it was, I feel like the heyday of the band, Mm -hmm. you know, like we were working all the time and on the road all the time and doing exciting fun things, and mostly happy, (laughs) you know, I mean, and so it was a good time, and yeah, yeah, really good memories of that, and,
0: uh, and, and Mark and Ron uh, were a big part of that band, but not so much out front, and, and not so much in the, that I could see in the songwriting and stuff, but they were a a huge part of that band. Huge part of the band,
2: Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, their, their uh, role in the band could not, be overstated they right. were real important that band was a family it was like everybody um weighed in on whatever we did i mm-hmm. mean it was like um so yeah it, uh we're not broken up we're still a band in fact i just reached out to those guys and but i mean i kind of missed the, the the uh I miss i'm happy the, to hear that yeah, yeah yeah i mean yeah the band's not done like no yeah you know, I, I, we're not I, and, and you do the, not dead yet
0: yeah. and and i heard you say that quite a few times that you're yeah. taking a hiatus you're not that and you're still doing uh, the replacements yep. uh, tribute, which is the Mel's Max is the backup. Yeah, and is
2: uh, and is that going to stay that way? Are you still as far as I know? But I mean, yeah. you know, the uh, I know you couldn't right, right. We we uh, Does this Ron
1: do it every year though.
2: No, but we. I mean, we but had mainly we, we'd had different drummers. Like yeah, oh, you know, okay. Peter Anderson played with us mm-hmm. a few years. Michael Bland sat in on one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's it's the Mel's max However you you know, right. uh, it, however you shake it up, but. I mean, I know Mark is wants to keep doing stuff, too, and, and so I think just you have phases of life, and, mm-hmm. you know, you can take a long hiatus and come back, and right. whenever we play, it feels like, uh, you know, no time has passed. It's mm-hmm. weird. We don't feel like we get rusty. Yeah, I,
0: I saw you at Mirrors Park was the last time, and you hadn't, I hadn't seen you in a long time. It was a couple of years ago, just before the pandemic. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and seemed like you were just it was just like going to see a normal show i mean it was just it was you you were just right right there and that's good to know too because because
2: that was john playing drums uh from gin blossoms yeah yeah he's awesome uh john richardson's like this really killer drummer um so
1: he's also got a really cool studio yeah Yeah. (laughs) drum farm it's in menominee wisconsin really cool it is so cool
0: have you you've done some recording out there or you just been through we, it or we didn't
2: do any recording there but we did uh rehearse there and then i've gone there to do some writing sessions john he produces bands too okay. and i went over there to work with some he, he had some people he's they were putting songs together and that was really fun any any excuse to go there is great it's beautiful, really
0: uh, beautiful. and then you talked a little about a little bit about john hour uh from the and then you did that pop-up show over in St. Paul with yeah. the Posies when they came yeah. through. And, and are you still doing some a few things with uh, them? Or are you still keeping in touch with them? Or Because uh, yeah. I see they are kind of got together and they've been touring and yeah. they've been playing again.
2: Yeah, they're playing again. I just talked to John last week, and he and I are doing a... So I've got a teaching website called Secret Chord. It's actually a YouTube channel now, but it will eventually be uh, turning into more of a complete Website with uh, all the different social media facets, but he's going to do an interview on that with me we're going to go over uh, some it's going to be really interesting. we're planning that next weekend we're doing that we're shooting it um, so yeah, I still talk to John he's such a good guy and phenomenal musician
0: and then you did some things with uh i'm, I'm probably I'm, you know I'm terrible with names and stuff uh, Tony Monroe.
2: Oh well, yeah, Tony Ortiz. Ortiz, yes. Or he goes, he goes by Tony Monroe. Okay. Because uh, he was in the Monroes, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and you, he pl- came up and played with you a couple of times, and, yeah. and you were doing, and you were talking about doing a release with him. Is that something that ever came oh, about, or not? It never came about?
2: about. If it ever, I was just, I always, It always comes into my mind whenever I hear his name or see him on Facebook. I always reach out to him, go, "Hey, we got to," you know. <laughs> We got to do this, mm-hmm. but because um, we gelled with him so well, you yeah. know, he, we, he'd come up and play with us and or sing, you know, and then you know, we we did write a song together and recorded it, um, but it didn't come out on a release or anything. But um, that's kind of on my bucket list to do okay. before.
0: Before. Uh, I, and then now, I want to talk a little bit about your side project. Yeah. Uh. Uh. What's it uh, like being in a band like Soul Asylum? Oh.
2: I didn't know which science project you were talking about. Um, well, that's... Uh,
0: that has to be a huge, a huge thing. I mean...
2: It's a it's a very uh, fascinating and really intense experience, I will say that. Like, it feels like uh, another, you know, the way that the Melismatics felt like a family. I mean, that band feels like a family, you know, in a major way. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's it's great. It's, uh, um, you know, the touring is really fun and, you know. Um. And that's, is that uh, for you,
0: is that kind of like um, what you wanted, the melismatics? I mean, that was the goal of the melismatics, right? So you kind of left the melismatics and went on to a, a, a little higher. I mean, I don't know how that whole thing yeah. works out mind-wise or anything, but it's a, it's a, it's, it's the goal of everyone to be in someone like
1: Soul Asylum.
2: Right, right. I mean, yeah, in a way, as a right. musician, as a, as you a get musician, the call right. and you just right. yeah. jump. Yeah.
1: At that, because it only it helps mm-hmm. your group. Right. You know, at the time, I was like incredibly jealous and. I wanted to ask you, you know, about that. You know, oh, yeah. I was so resentful. It was like two years of I was the resentful wife, <laughs> <laughs> home with the baby, and I feel bad about it. But I also have my feelings too, and mm-hmm. I'm allowed to have them. Right. Yep. Yeah.
2: Life is complicated. Yes. Very complicated. Yes. But um, and and it wasn't that I left the melismatics because the melismatics actually the the I think the way I see it is like we were working really hard. We burned ourselves out. Mm-hmm. And everybody in that band needed to do something else for a while. That was just a mutual thing. I probably, if it weren't for other people requesting that, I would have just kept going. But that happened. So we started what became Ryan and Pony. We didn't know what it was yet. We were, you know, the songs were going to keep coming and something had to happen. So we were just going to start a new band. Um, And then Soul Asylum uh, called, like, in that in that time. Um,
0: so, so I'm sure for you it was pretty easy. Pony for the band, it must have been like he's leaving the band to go do something else, I would think, or not? Or did it seem like. Well,
1: it, well I was so busy being a new mom at the time, and then I had major, major health struggles. I got diagno- diagnosed with a like, bad disease, and it's mm. in remission right now, but it'll yeah. kind of flare up sometimes. Yeah. So I was dealing with that. Um, so, I, I mean, those were, like, almost distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you know, you I had so many fears, I mean, around all of it. Mm-hmm. And as you know, fear is not real. Um, it's just, you know, they were irrational. Yeah. And, but, again, you know, people say things, horrible things, and mm-hmm. then they get inside and you're, like, you, right. you know. So, there's just a lot of garbage yeah. <laughs> coming into my brain. Um so yeah, I didn't know what to do. I I started to write songs oh, like good. I, uh, cinematic was kind of about that. Like, are you willing to trust the situation mm-hmm. even though it doesn't seem like it makes sense? The father's away from home, and mm-hmm. you're home taking your mm-hmm. baby, and you're sick, and and you got to go stay with your parents a lot because you're sick because you don't want to have anaphylaxis, and when you're with a two-year-old who can't call nine-one-one for you, <laughs> um, yeah. So it was yeah it was
0: just a a hard time right, right so and that just it has to be hard on everybody then too i mean you still have to have a living i mean i mean yeah. you know people not you know there's lots of different families that go through that oh stuff, right, right right and people and, that, right. and people have to have to really it's it's hard and and you have to fight through it and and but you when you come through it, it seems like you come through a lot better i think everybody has you know to a certain degree that through their life yeah. of where they have to fight through something. You know, some are a lot harder, some are a lot easier. This one was, sounds like it was a pretty hard one. But uh, do you think co- coming through it that you're just a lot better off? Do you think you're... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I w- stronger? I w- I a lot I get more Stronger peace. is the word I was looking Actually, for. Actually, you know, it was and,
1: a really and, good thing because I've, I, I, musically, or, in you know, especially in that aspect, I was so dependent on like Ryan for that or I was so dependent and then it kind of like I learned to like kind of create my own independence I started um getting back into yoga and then I started to take martial arts and I I need to do different things so that I have things to write about um or get ideas or get inspired or creative juices and I I it's just good for me to do I like you know I I just like to bounce Uh around a lot and um When you get into a
0: band like like when you got into Mills Macs, do you feel like you lose a little bit to the band, a little personal, a little of yourself to the band? I mean, having to go into a band, not just the Mills Mac, but any band. When you join a band and for you joining Soul Asylum, uh, do you lose a little bit of yourself and and you get a little less personal, maybe a little less stronger, uh, a little less stronger personal? Because you've got this group, like you said, a family. You almost got like a separate family that you can depend on. Mm -hmm. You can kind of work work through their stuff and and it takes a little bit maybe away from you and you don't think that you're as strong as what you what you are
1: i think so yeah yeah you i just defer to who's my boss Mm -hmm. um that's basically you know they don't want me to play something a certain way or whatever like i i no more creative or i'll ask permission Mm -hmm. like when i started wearing the wigs i was like Mm moment can i wear a wig (laughs) um he's like yeah that's fine so I don't know. Yeah, is that what you mean? I'm, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, do you feel that? I was going to say, do you feel that way going into Soul Asylum that maybe you lose a little bit? You you do so much on your own. Yeah. Mel's Max was your band and, right. and your stuff, and now you're kind of given. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you that. You know, how much yeah. do you give up to to Dave going um, into Soul Asylum? I mean, it's a dream job and stuff, and something you. Yeah, I've heard other podcasts where you say, you know, you list you were they were your idols, and you listened to them all the yeah. time, and you were so excited about going in. But do you lose a little bit?
2: Well, to that, I I don't. I guess I don't choose to look at it as i look. Okay. i mean i because i they i will say that um one of the best things about the vibe of that band is um they don't say like they never said you need to be this guy like they let me just be me mm-hmm. and that's the role and so that's so much more um you know like y- right. you don't give up you know it, i feel like if i was a robot just doing Mm -hmm. only what he exactly yeah yeah then i would feel like i still would love it it would still be like you said dream job but you'd be giving up (laughs) more because you feel like you're kind of giving up your your personality in the band right um not in the band but almost to the band right right but like you know but yeah but there are things like scheduling wise like scheduling my life revolves around Mm -hmm. waiting for my tour schedule Mm -hmm. like and that stuff especially now is insane because Mm -hmm you know Are you yeah starting up again? we had like yeah they're getting they're starting to come up again but before that it'd be like this is gonna happen to cancel 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 oh, okay, and yeah. then uh, we have five holds on you know because until they finally just pulled the plug on everything mm-hmm. um but you know so that part of it but that's like anybody gives that up i guess like if you work for a company or if you mm-hmm. you know in the military right. or if you're uh what, what running it, your own business you're like yeah. having to you know whatever you do you got to give that up so mm-hmm. i think music in general is a thing where you give up a lot and you just know going into it that you have to work really hard and a lot and it's and not always at your own pace like sometimes you gotta just keep moving you know
0: and and you've done one one album then with soul asylum right or,
2: one album and one ep okay. we did uh yeah so hurry up and wait was the album and then we did an acoustic ep just dave and i did that uh called born free and then we're working on a new one right now
0: okay so um are you is that very different than uh, the melismatics when the melismatics was recording or is recording kind of recording
2: it's really thematic? different yeah okay yeah.
0: so are you learning a lot uh, and, and bringing that back to your experiences
2: oh yeah i mean it, it the, the, like, if I had explained how we made hurry up and wait, I, I wouldn't even know which thread to follow <laughs> because I mean, we did everything like, so I used, you know, it would be like, Dave and I would jam on something and we record something there. And then Dave has a song that was just completely demoed out. Or we also did this phase where Dave and I did a bunch of gigs playing acoustic just to work on new songs that we were trying to make them not leak, you know, so we could just oh. try out the songs and. Mm. Work them out like that And then when we actually Recorded the basic tracks For the album um, We had never As a band Ever played them I remember we got We were on a plane Coming back from Another country I just remember being like I'm sitting on a plane And we got Okay we're recording On Monday Like Alright We've never played These songs <laughs> And it was like We had like We did Maybe two Or possibly three Maximum Takes of each song mm-hmm. And you know I had no idea What Michael's gonna play right. I, You right. know It's just like we didn't know if the songs were going to be more up tempo. Mm-hmm. We didn't know, you know, where the you know guitar solos, just stuff like that. We there was so much that we didn't know, um, and we had started with Dave had probably a hundred. I'm guessing 125 songs that we had sorted through and it was just hard drives of like this and that. We these songs out here, and then Michael would pick songs that. Totally different ones. and I mean, and then then we recorded 25 songs and then 12 or 13 made an album. That's very different than the process. Okay. Melismatics is like, you know, I I do tend to filter like myself uh, because I have a lot of different ideas. I usually go like, well, this idea is I'm not going to waste my time on this one or I feel like that one is the one to go with. And so we didn't do like when we made a lot of our albums, we didn't have like a bunch of leftover songs. We just had pretty much... Mm-hmm. These are the songs, you know.
0: And so. and and Ryan and Pony, the band, was actually going on at the same time as you started Solo Asylum So how much did you have to pull back on Ryan and Pony project?
2: Yeah, a lot, unfortunately. Like, we had...
0: Because um, it took, like, a, a, a quite a long time to put out the record, right?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, right, exactly, yeah. So we... Um, I remember starting to record it in probably 2015 or something, and then I joined the band in 2016... And then that was just, like, figuring out the the pacing and life and everything. And so that went on hold. We did a show in, was it 2016? Yeah. We did our first Ryan mm-hmm. and Pony show then. First um, Avenue was yeah. like, <laughs> Yeah. So that was our first show. Yeah. <laughs> and...
1: There uh, was, that
0: was that a the lot of... Suburbs. Suburbs were yeah. so sold yeah. out and everything
2: then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so first show was a sold out show. we never played these songs. And it was like, I would just <laughs> got off a tour. So we're like, well, let's see how this goes. But it went well. I mean, we... Mm-hmm. I don't think we mm-hmm. suck too bad, right? So, I <laughs> no. mean, I don't know. I haven't ever heard it, so uh, I mean, I haven't. No, I, think heard, it went I never right. heard I mean, you suck. so okay. I don't. I wouldn't right. know.
1: I, I was freaked out because I was still sick and yeah, and all of my medications could it made me drowsy and and like I felt like my brain had a harder <laughs> time making the connection. It was actually mm-hmm. good for me because I think I had to rebuild that. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but it, it was it was a fun show. Like I felt really good mm-hmm. about it.
0: And did you? have any apprehensions of Pony, uh, Ryan and Pony not getting off the ground once he left to go to Soul Asylum? Or did you kind of always, were you always kind of the anchor? Are you are you kind of the anchor of that then, that you kind of are the home base for that? I I, I just,
1: like, I knew Ryan would push through with it. Uh-huh. I knew he would. Like, he always does. Like, mm-hmm. when he, he's gonna do something and works hard at it. Like, he always did it with the malismatics, and he, he's like, okay, we're gonna do this now, I'm gonna do it. And and nothing ever fizzled. he's really good at that i i am very easy to like i think it mm-hmm. takes so much work and so much effort to launch something off the ground like i i and i get overwhelmed and i just like this is too hard i can't and then i drop it mm-hmm. and he's not that so okay i just trusted that he was going to do what he was going to mm-hmm. do we're going to go
0: into a song from Solasiam this is a if i told you uh is is the is the record I don't wanna say this so it sounds bad, but is it is it a is it a David Burner solo record or not? I mean how much um, how much does the band put in? A much how much, uh, yeah, how much so, is it so kind of a solo? Yeah.
2: It's not like a solo record, although Dave writes the songs, but okay. no, there's like um there is, no it's it's a very real band. Like okay. and the making the album is you know, I would say there are there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> oh, put into this record. And, you know, there's some band fights. There's mm-hmm. some arguments. And, you know, but but Dave, like I said, to that he doesn't have to do this, but he does, like, basically. Um, I mean, every, believe me, everybody's going to have opinions. There's nothing that you just do whatever you want. And, uh, that's just fine. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, layers of of analysis mm-hmm. going into yeah. what's happened. But, I mean, you know, like, Dave lets me play. Like, I can make riffs up. I make up solos. And, like, background vocals, mm-hmm. he doesn't go like... Well, sometimes he does Like, like this, you know, you're right. going to sing this. But sometimes it's just like, well, there's going to be background vocals here. And let's go. And yeah. let's try this out. And you. Okay. So there's a lot of creative room left for everybody in mm-hmm. the band, you know. And Dave is a phenomenal songwriter. So it's, like, yeah. a pleasure to work with good songwriting mm-hmm. and be able to do your part in augmenting that yeah so
0: and and i don't know him at all and i and and uh you know never met him or anything but he seems like i've I've been watching some of the pandemic uh youtube things that you do you two do together and it seems like he's got like a real hard personality to know what you're doing right and what i mean he's he's very mono (laughs) you know i mean i don't know when you guys are playing together you can't tell if he's mad if he's not mad if he yeah. and and messing up and and, and yeah. he laughs well and tells jokes and yeah. but you don't know i mean i i i would go crazy with a guy like personally yeah. with a guy like that i just i wouldn't know when to talk when not to talk
2: well we're way past that point of you have to <laughs> That's remember a really good yeah. perception no that no you are you are you kind right kind of put
1: about, words like, i think. yeah, yeah. It, but but the thing is
2: you have to remember that we've like almost lived together. Right. Like, so I now, know So now, yeah, now. I mean, at the but
0: beginning, even, it must've been really at, hard at the beginning. It was hard
2: to in know that what was way, where you
0: stood and what, what you could right. say and what,
2: but at the same time, it's like social norms. Like he, he did, he was, <laughs> he, we had a filter on that stuff early on too. Cause you know, just like when you don't know someone mm-hmm. that well, now I know him really well. like And, and I know I kind of can tell what mood he's in or mm-hmm. whatever. And, and, uh, those were kind of stre- Those were very fun to do, but also stressful because we were digging deep into the catalog of songs. Yeah, and there were some neat stuff yeah. you
0: were doing there. P nine. Oh yeah, when and, you did that, it was amazing.
2: And and the and so a lot of them were songs that I'd never played before, and Dave had not played since you know like mm. thirty years ago. Mm. So it's nerve wracking a little bit. You know, it's fun and mm-hmm. it's loose and it's like this is exciting, but there's also a part of it that it's just like. You know, probably what you're sensing in those videos (laughs) is the the kind of anxious. Because if you watch from the first ones, we started with songs that we knew well. (laughs) And then it's some relax and it's fun and it's this and that. Then it starts getting like, okay, now we're going to do a set of six (laughs) songs we don't know. Uh, Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Yeah, you can
0: see it in there. And you you get a little more tense and a little more (laughs) interesting to watch. Uh, And the song we're going to go into is is one that you picked uh, off the record of – if I told you. Yeah. Um, And that almost seems the the reason I kind of brought that up is that almost seems like a song that you would write. And it seems like a song that has the style of lyrics and stuff that that you have very kind of personal, very kind of Um, uh, relationshipy. It was really interesting. I thought you picked that song because it it reminded me of a lot of a song that you would write yourself. And that's why I was wondering if you maybe had some writing in that song or if that's. If he's kind of the solo uh, it, it's person.
2: A, it's it no Dave wrote the song, but there but one of the things that Dave does also is he likes to get feedback from the band on on ideas. Like he likes to get, you know, for example, that song, the way I remember it, he had just like one night like on my iPhone, we would just record little snip if he had just like this little snip of an idea. That was like two different songs. There was mm-hmm. one that goes like he just had this line like if I told you, I and he didn't even have the words. Da, 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 da. It was just that line. And I remember being like, you know, we had our folders of like stuff that we like, and I put it in my hot folder. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> and then you had this other song called I miss the sun. And it sounded like Santana. Oh, okay. And it was like, <laughs> he and I, 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 it's just, it's hilarious. It's like there. I remember one night we would usually like, we'd start the night at the Lowry, get some food, have, have a drink and go back to his place and start working on stuff. And I remember like, um, he just playing this kind of groovy thing and I, Oh, I miss the sun. And then, and I was just, he's like solo. And I was just jamming. Like, it just sounded like Carlos <laughs> Santana. It was so, it was such a weird song. <laughs> then one day he was like, Oh wait, those songs I think fit together. And then he, pieced then, you know, he yeah. f- felt out the rest of the song. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I mean like, you know, so it was one of my favorite ideas that he had had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was fun to, like, the guitar solo, I put a lot of work into that and just, like, thinking of the guitar parts and we messed around with the keys a lot. Like, you know, a lot of times when we were doing these things, like, I would sit there with an acoustic and he would just sing. And then he asked me one day, he was like, what? how do we have these songs in these weird keys? And I'm like, because that's how we did it. Like, you were just singing and I had a capo and we would move it around until we found, like, the sweet spot for your voice, you know? It was, it was really fun. So I just, I love that song. Yeah. And it's really personal for him. I mean... The lyrics are heavy i mean yeah. they really are it's like it's he was going through a lot of personal changes and, and uh challenges and things and i think the song means a lot to him he gets really choked up when we for the first time we were playing that song live he would he couldn't even finish singing it mm. yeah, it was that hard for him to sing it so
0: this will be a soul asylum with uh if i told you And that was Soul Asylum with If I Told You. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I just love that song. Uh, that, like I said, I, it reminded me of your songwriting, and it was real personal. It was interesting to find out that that was real personal to David too, because because uh, it is a real, real heart wrenching kind of a song. It's, it's it touches people, and uh, and I think that's when you know I, we had uh, Robert Wilkinson on not too long ago, and I talked about how his music writing touches people. I think I think your your music writing um, doesn't so much touch people personally as it is. Um, it seems like it's always a current event, or it's something that's going on in your life as as you're going along. Um, is and and your lyrics and some of the stuff that you write are very personal. Um, and in the Melismatics, it seemed like it was a lot more than your new project with Ryan and Pony. It seems like it's not as personal. It's maybe a little more. Um, uh, general relationship instead of personal relationship is that does that make you, sense
2: between the two on the ryan and pony record right the ryan
0: and pony is a little more general relationship and then uh Mel's and Maddox, so it was a lot of uh personal
2: i think it's uh there's stuff. personal stuff on there for sure um but, but we,
1: i worked at it like well for me like huh? i wanted to make it general too so it could fit somebody else's scenario okay. mm-hmm. for me anyway mm-hmm. but i can't speak for ryan
2: um, yeah, I think uh, it was a, you know, like, it depends on the song. Like, Start Making Sense, the first song. No, that's not the first song on the record. That one is very... Uh, first
1: nine, isn't
2: it? Well, no, what I mean, uh, oh. what I meant, I was thinking, like, Order of on the record, oh, which okay. I'm wrong anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, terrible. Start Making Sense is is observational and also, like, I'm, you know, a very political person, and so yep. there's... So that song is is... Personal in that way but mm-hmm. it's not like i'm not singing about you know i guess i'm singing about my life in there because <laughs> i mean it's reality you know right. it's just like um and then i think uh be still my baby is super personal because that song is that was uh, a a lullaby for oh Skylar. really yeah oh. i because
0: uh, i thought that was kind of an homage to you know ronettes and uh it is and, uh, it is still specter and stuff
2: oh but, yeah uh, completely no you're right on with that mm-hmm. i mean It's got the goon,
3: goon,
2: goon, and then baby in the word, you know, be still, my baby. But it was like supposed to be, I wanted to have a song that she and I could sing together for our baby that would not be quiet. (laughs) She hates our bands, by the way. She said that today. She just said that today, yeah. Uh. But she just want to make sure I knew that she hates (laughs) the (laughs) melismatics. And she is how old now? Six. Six. She okay. did, She was mad about something else. Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, yeah. It wasn't. No, I just. She to make actually sure. get. She actually really. I just want to make sure the
0: listeners didn't know she was like thirty two. Oh or yeah. Something. No. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> she's six and uh <laughs> she goes back and forth. she actually writes songs and i've recorded her and she she's
1: she knows how to use garage bands. really
2: she, talented like a first my garage
1: year. band on my phone and
2: she'll pick up an instrument like she picks up the harmonica just starts like t- tearing yeah. it up and, and she's on the record she she's is at the end of yeah uh, start making start sense, making yeah. sense. And, and
0: you did a video too yeah. on one of your facebook so she's playing one of her songs yeah. that you played along yeah with yeah. So, I mean, you can see the talent is, is there. Is that something you're nursing, nursing uh, in her or we're not trying to, so much? Or? She's
1: very spirited and strong-willed, so okay. we know that Like if we like hit, you know, yeah. it's got to be her idea. Yeah, but
2: I just let her know, if you want to do something with music, I'm here to help you, <laughs> but I'm not going to force it because, well, at six, you know, you can right. turn her off from wanting to ever do it. But, I mean, she's got the amazing pitch, too. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, her singing is really good
1: like, last week she heard like a song on a video game and she's like i want to learn a song mom will you show me how to do this song?" i'm like you don't know, use you the i'll show you but you have the best teacher right here and then <laughs> and then for some reason
2: she started getting she started screaming she like got she mad, really mad
1: he found the patch that the same keyboard was but for some reason it was yeah
2: she was not hearing was all the heard, sounds she was hearing so yet. she was hearing like a track that probably has like 50 tracks going on <laughs> and i was just trying to show her the synth bass line <laughs> And she wanted to hear all of the sounds at once. She didn't un- doesn't understand right. that works. Well, I
1: didn't even pick up Started on that. Started to
2: freak out a little bit. I yeah. think is what it was. But, um, but do, anyway, do, do
0: you see you're going in a direction of an instrument or? I, think uh,
2: I hope so. She wants a guitar. I just want her to like really want it before she gets it, so she yeah uses it. You know.
0: Uh, and do you have any being a teacher of music a little bit? Do you have a preference of starting on, you know, in the old days, you used to have to start on piano. Yeah. Because that was real basic. Do you have any kind of a thing where you'd like to start her on piano so she gets something? Or I just feel just, like whatever she's mo- right.
2: like motivated to play, because that's, that's the Something energy, she's interested the, in, so she stays right. interested. Yeah. That's the fuel that drives is the mm-hmm. person's, like, interest in doing it. So I just think uh, whatever whenever she starts expressing more of an interest in it, um, I'll be there to help her, and... You know, most kids probably don't want to learn from their parents, so I will probably right. just be the one to connect her so with the right teacher. You'll just have to have you her know? hang around we Dave a lot. We probably should yeah. have her, like, <laughs>
1: take some piano lessons or something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. now's a good time to start that. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then uh, with uh, Ryan and Pony and that going on at the same time as kind of when you're doing the millisomatics, talk a little bit about how you had to kind of st- stretch it, h- how hard it was. I would think to really keep that motion going of keeping yourself involved with it uh, Peter Anderson, who of course is a drummer, I'm assuming that he had to be involved with a lot of the stuff uh, stopping starting doing shows, you did some shows, you did some at the aster, then you stopped, and then you like you said, you did some at uh, first Avenue and then you stopped and just and just how hard it was to kind of keep that momentum, and then especially in the music industry when when uh the uh, attention span is so, so fast, yeah. you know, that, that, you know, because you're on a label, Pravda, yeah. was that picked up on Pravda right away or did they come on at the end? When it, it when No, it was, Pravda. right.
2: So really they had an in, an integral part of the whole process because we had made two Mel's Max records with them and we were going to make a new one and that's when the band needed a break. So we uh, were going to start a new band and Pravda said look, if you start a new band you just come up with a new random name, they're like, that's not going to build from the momentum that we've been working on building. So okay. you should really use your names. And I was like, ah, that sounds lame. But then he convinced me, you know, uh, Ken, the owner of Providence, convinced yep. me that, you know, Ryan and Pony is what you should call it because then it's like people make the association. It's like a – Right. It's going it's from that, momentum, that other yep. than if we called it, like we, we we're going to call it the Cosmic Shakes, I think. Okay. Which is a cool name. Yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I cool like that name, name. Yeah. but but it, but no one would have, an, it's just like a new right. calling your band that's like the same two singers, a different name. Very, it's very, just kind of weird. You yeah,
0: know? Uh, I know Clapton went through the whole thing with uh, Derek and the Dominoes. They yeah. really pushed back on that because they wanted that to be a Clapton record. He wanted it not to be a Clapton record. Yeah. And they said, you know, the whole name change thing. They're not going to know who we are. And I guess it took you know a long time for people to figure out that that was a Clapton record and yeah. not a new brand new band called Derek and the Dominos yeah. and so the, the music industry and and you've got a, that Miles song about the music industry too which yeah. I like a lot but then that kind of comes into some of the fights that you've had with music and yourself yeah and so is this one you kind of i mean they they were they were obviously right
2: yeah, I think they because right. you need to have right. that momentum going. They were right. They're right. And I saw it because I then I thought about it. I'm like, "Oh, I like the band Peter Bjorn and John." And that's listening their names. You know, and then Matt uh-huh. and Kim. I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's that." And then Peter Paul and Mary. <laughs> you know, Simon and Garfunkel. Then I'm like, "Okay, right. I get it. There's names, you mm-hmm. know, and you go, "All right, that's fine, you know, and her name Pony, it's like is unique enough where in itself it doesn't just it's not just like like, yeah. like John. Jim and Tom or something. It's like, Linden, you know, yeah, Linden, or whatever. Linden, and, uh, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, so it it worked. And then the idea of, like, using the uh, kind of anime imagery mm-hmm. even further pushed that to work, I think, because then you've got the... It's like making characters out of the names. Mm-hmm. And then it even and, works better.
0: And, and, and the name of the album is, is Moshi Moshi, and it's got a real... You talk about the animation; it's got a real Japanese uh, feel to it. The the visuals does Mm -hmm. not the music so much, I don't think, but the visuals do. Um, So, when you were writing, were you separating yourself from the Melismatics to the Ryan and Pony stuff, and from the Japanese? uh, What did did the Japanese kind of come in to that? some um, kind of thinking or not, or mm-hmm. was there a theme behind the whole thing? Was there a, a general theme that you were going for, or, or was it a very variety well, spread out thing? There, it,
2: variety is good. We love albums that have variety and take you on a journey, almost like you feel like it's cinematic, to use that name. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, where you're going through, you know, there's good times, there's bad times, and, you you know, there's fast songs, slow songs, different keys, I, you know. But but uh, there was a definite aesthetic to it that was different, and we didn't want to make an album that just sounded like the Melismatics, and we're calling it a
0: different name. Okay.
2: And I, to my ears, it does not sound like the Mel. I mean, it, you can tell it's us, but right. it doesn't sound like the, the Melismatics either. You know. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it takes I it another run. level. It's it's. I I really associated it with from when you went when Pony joined the band, and you really changed. You had a big change in sound. And it was still the melismatics, but there was a big change in sound because um, the, the songwriting and, and and stuff. But and I see this as the same thing. Uh, it's a big change in sound for you guys, um, but it still has a melismatic feel mm-hmm. to it because it is right. It's gonna have. It's song, gonna have I mean. to have it. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't get rid of that really too. Right. You know, too much. much. The song, the first song we go into is, is cinematic, and this was one. Of, this is a song that you wrote, Pony. Um, did you did you how much writing did you did for the Malismatics? Did you write anything or did you? Um, uh, did love you, is a
1: poison. Oh, okay. Um, at least I came. I mean, it was a song I had already mm-hmm. written. It actually was supposed to be for Hundred Flowers, um, and then it just it, that band fell apart, and and um, and so Peter Anderson actually said, "Pony, you should take that song and use that for Melismatics." Mm-hmm. And then we I took it to Ryan, and then Ryan added all these awesome melodies and and other sections um, to make it better. And, and definitely it definitely was clearly like I you could tell that I listened to a lot of Pink Floyd when you <laughs> when you hear that song. Um, but uh, uh, cinematic, anyway, cinematic, yeah. I know cinematic. There we go. Um, this time it was like I just I had the song. I'm like Ryan, we write the bridge, and then he and and then you added more. But he didn't change the lyrics. He didn't. Uh, I, was like, I was like, oh, wow. He didn't need to. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah, no,
2: I felt like that one was like, yeah, just like usually when we do that kind of thing, I go, well, what needs to be fixed? And like most of the what sections. What needs to be Well, no, no, no. no. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, mean, I caught that. I well, caught that. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah I, oh, I'm, I'm, in, trouble. I'm yeah, in trouble. I'm in trouble. What I mean <laughs> is like when you collaborate with somebody, <laughs> right, right. you know, that's like period. Like yeah. uh, when someone goes like, can you collaborate on this? Mm-hmm. You look at it and you go, well, what? what doesn't work, what doesn't work. Cause you don't, you don't broke what ain't fixed. And that's what I'm trying. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. And there's nothing broke, but, yeah. but so I didn't, I didn't feel like I need to, you mm-hmm. know, to, you know, to work on right. those parts, but I did like really get into the, the production of those parts. And then mm-hmm. she asked me to write a bridge. So I wrote the bridge, um, and just took it where I thought it should go there. Um, but I, you know, yeah, that was a fun undertaking. I really enjoyed that.
0: Uh, hearing that song, does that make you want to write more? Does that, that, does that give you some confidence in your, in your writing? And when you, um, when it, when it's all finished and you hear it on it, you say, you know, that, I, you know, I, it's something yeah, I do. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I, I do, I do write, or, you know, I'll go through phases mm-hmm. of writing. Um, and then, you know, some songs stick and some don't, um. Mm-hmm. Do uh, yeah. you
0: find it harder to write when you got someone like him that's writing constantly and all the time and 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 you know right next to you there and, and he just he's just put pumping out stuff left and right and you feel like you know I mean I mean if if it was me I would feel a little inadequate thinking I I should be able oh, to do yeah. that or something you know I mean and, with
1: all every everyone I played with you know um, yeah. I'm never like I'm a better songwriter than that person like I don't compare myself but I. I just feel like I, I write like, well, will the audience like this too? Will this resonate with them? Or is this just my selfish, um, emotional let out right here? You know, like I, I think there's space for both, but you want to, you know, you're not just like selfishly indulging in yourself. You you're, ma- you want to make a product that, and I hate to call it product, but right. it, it, you're taking something from you and then you want to make it pleasing right. to your audience. And I don't really, I don't want to put out garbage.
0: Right. But uh, but you know you have it. I mean, the poison song is one of the, uh, one of the ones that were um, obviously at the at the peak. It, that was out about the same time as uh, Soul Sucker and uh, Divided Devotion. I mean, that was right there in, in the pocket for you guys. Mm-hmm. This song's a really good song. It's and 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 people. I, I've seen comments on it, and people really like the song and stuff. So is it. You know, does it make? Are you thinking? You know, I really want to write more. I mean, for the next album, are you ever going to have another record? You know, this is the first well, one. Are, are, another... you, are you pushing to write more? I,
1: I mean, I I do, and you know, Ryan's very selective on what what will fit because he knows he mm-hmm. is the ear for it. Um, he did, there's a song that um, I did that he he he'll bring up here and there. I really like that song. We should do that mm-hmm. one. So I, I just have to keep writing. He right. writes way more than I do. And like yeah. he said, you have a catalog. Like you go on my phone or my cloud, and there's like tons of material. But then I'm like, oh, this is – I go back <laughs> and I'm like, what, what was I – and then I'm like, well, this is this is cool. I uh-huh. like that. But, uh, you know, you go back, and then it's frustrating and overwhelming. Right. Yeah. But
0: it's, it's got to be great to have another ear on it because I would think yeah. that you actually – I mean, from what you've written, that you do write really good stuff. And so it's just a matter of putting it out there and having somebody – you know, help you along, or not, you know, inc- encourage you to mm-hmm. write and put it out and be more mm-hmm. assertive with putting it out because you do put out really good stuff. And you have a record that, that I listen to. It's called Pony Up, and I think you did most of the writing on that, correct?
1: Well, I'm uh, like one of the writers. Ryan wrote, like, like we did lyrics and melody, uh-huh. and there were some songs I did only that part, and then there was a guy named drew Lairdell. Drew, yeah he wrote the music okay the but we tracks. had yeah, yeah, he, we, right. he did the tracks we had the option to come in and change things but i was like this is so good i don't mm-hmm. all i have to do is put my vocals on it and but and, you do
0: a lot of the writing on, on on that more writing on that than you've done in anything else
1: at least is as far wanted? as like my my vocals and mm-hmm. melody okay because
0: mm-hmm. that i really like a lot of the stuff on there it's not very well heard around uh it's kind of an underground thing but uh but it's very 80s-ish, and 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 for a cover song that you used to do for the Melismatics was the Missing Persons things, which you did so well, and that and you kind of highlighted you on your vocals and stuff there. And I think that that release is kind of in that vein, and that really highlights a lot of the stuff that that you bring to the music with uh, with your voice and 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 the the syn. I, I feel the synthesizers and the because you're the keyboardist, you bring in. Uh, do you write a lot of the synthesizer stuff, uh, or is he writing that? That's uh,
1: Ryan. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Right the but the that record's called Pony Up, right, the one right. that you're syn yeah. uh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. Po- uh, and then yeah. your love is a poison, like right. I do
1: like I do best the better songs come out if I start on the keyboard keyboards, okay, I mean I can I do write on guitar, I mean in Regie radio, I did write a song, but it never I mean it was gonna be an album and then I left, so mm-hmm. um, I thought that was a solid, I don't know, it's like I don't know, it's <laughs> just.
0: It's it's weird, yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's, it's it's weird to try and get people's to not. Uh, I've been in that position too, where you you don't want to disappoint people, mm-hmm. and you're so self conscious of that that you actually pull back instead of actually pushing forward. Mm-hmm. And it seems like with a little, you know, push and a little thing that you know, you you really have some good stuff, and mm-hmm. but not enough of it.
1: Mm, right, I know, I know. Okay, okay. You just keep encouraging us.
0: Uh, working on this will be one of your songs. This is uh, cinematic, and this is from the new release uh, from Ryan and Pony called Mocha Mocha. And uh, that was Cinematic from uh, Ryan and Pony from their uh, new release. And uh, you, you did get to play a few live shows before, um, before everything fell apart. Um, how about touring going forward? And, and I, I wanted just to, I'm, I'm sure that this is a positive answer, but I wanted to say this isn't a one-off uh, solo Ryan and Pony release. There's something in the mix for the next one, another one, a second one.
2: There's always something next, you know. <laughs> <It>
0: never, <laughs> but would it be the train a train never stops? Would, yeah, like, would, would it be a ride and pony, or are you moving in some other direction, or yeah. mean, are, you, are you thinking? That, I mean, you, you started writing. You said I in think, 2015, so have yeah. you got some stuff written now? It w- it w- or nothing. Something?
2: Yeah, nothing will take that long again. That okay. that was yeah. that was ridiculous. But that was like all kinds of life-changing uh-huh. things happening at that time. You know, between the family and right. switching bands and being gone and but um no i mean new material is coming forth regularly and uh i think what it is is like you sort through it and you go what what what's here you know what is appearing Mm -hmm. to you know rather than forcing it because i think that was one reason i i'm really happy with moshi moshi and i feel like i'm happy with it because we did allow it to kind of come in we didn't force it to come into being it kind of um became clear as we went through we were able to sort through things and have the right songs gel together with the sound and and uh so i feel like that's what we'll probably end up doing okay um it
0: it seems like there's a lot of little different pieces in this um in this release where it isn't like uh like like i said a little variety there's some variety and stuff in there and i know you did a lot of stuff at different studios and at different points so would that make the new if, if you did another one And you kind of did it all in one do you think it would change the whole Hmm. would you think you'd do it all in one studio to get it it would be such a different sound for the for for the band you know yeah or do you think you would purposely maybe do things at different points to make it so it sounds similar to what you're doing now with what you released
2: i don't know that the time or location is really what changes it for us but but i think um again like i always try to not repeat things as you know i think we've always set out to not do the same thing again so i feel like it would be like what didn't we do on the last record well let's see there could be like some Uh crazy hardcore punk and then do a punk song electronic and then do uh, we didn't make any, I don't know, just like trying right. to explore things that didn't, oh, we, didn't yeah, do. we have
1: ideas that we, yeah. did, we there are ideas that we didn't, we were right. going to do and we didn't. Yeah. Know. There
2: was stuff so that moving didn't forward. always moving yeah. forward. Always. Right. Right. Always trying to move and forward. And forward. Okay. What, what do, what's exciting to us because, you know, new things are exciting and you know, uh-huh. re, 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 doing a thing like something you already did. Isn't, isn't always that exciting, but right. um, so that to me is kind of what, what would, You know, dictate it. But I do like albums that sound like mixtapes, where Mm you go like, "Oh, what's that?" Yeah, right. You know.
0: Yeah. Um, And then you're playing bass now again on this. uh, Is you playing when you when you're doing in the studio? I'm talking to Pony. When you're doing in the studio, um, uh, did you do the keyboards and some guitar work, or was it basically bass? Just
1: bass, because it was the most efficient. Because it was done over a span of Uh time, and Ryan's he's going to get the guitar done faster. He's going to get the keyboard, you know, it, it, and it depended on the song. But I mean, cinematic, I mean, he just, it, it's just a faster process. Right. You know, I'm like, even though I wrote cinematic, um, I'm not going to remember that, to, what the chords were two years ago right. or whatever. Right. And I just, you know, bass is just so much faster for me to pick up. Um, but, you know, I i do have the option. He always gives me the freedom to to be able to do it. But, at that time, we didn't have time. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, we had time to write the song, right. and let them marinate, and he was right. able to put it together. But
0: and do you think? But you won't have the time probably on the next one either because there's so much going on. I mean, you got a kid now well, that's six, and he's going to be going to school. And, yeah, and then you're still in the in the schools. Right. I mean, except I got. It a, seems like time never. Time, catches, time catches never catches <laughs> up. But you're right.
2: You're right. But I but I have gotten back on. Like there was a period of time where for me this is really depressing actually, but like, cause like she was saying, if I, uh, I think you said, if I'm not writing, something's wrong. Oh, yeah. And, uh, there was a long time where I didn't have time to do anything in the studio or like in my home studio, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm just like fighting for the time to do it and it's really hard. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm always working on mm-hmm. stuff and so, so it won't take, it's not like a thing where there's nothing being done and then suddenly it all has to get done cause when I record the demos there, you know, like, that's, what I think she was getting into with the keyboards and the, get, like, I record everything on the demo and then if it's, you can replace it or not. Right. And, right. and that's kind of, um, that's kind of how it works. So it won't take a million years, to, do, <laughs> you know? Um, so, and, and when you launch a new project, like the Ryan and Pony thing, I mean, there was a thing where we didn't have the name yet and then we had the name, yeah. then you need, oh, then you start realizing Oh, like when the first single dropped, we don't even have a Facebook. We don't have a <laughs> website. We don't have these things that you right. need to, how do you even promote, promote this yeah. now? So you go through all that. That takes a lot of time. And so once the machinery's in place for those things, then it's much easier. But,
0: And, and do you do any studio work with other bands? Do you produce? Do you uh, arrange? Yeah, you?
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, a fair amount. Um, you know, been playing guitar on My friend benjamin cartel oh yeah okay his record i've been doing some stuff with that and then um there's this hip-hop artist reverse mechanic that i've been playing some stuff for him uh and then uh loki's folly which are one of my favorite bands in the world they're awesome they started as students of mine and their kids they're like bass players nine uh annie's is she 20 now is that right but anyway, mm-hmm. they they uh they've got a record that we've been working on for a long time and it's just about done and we're talking about releasing the first single from it in July and then releasing a single every month until the full length album okay. comes out. So I'm excited for that. That's going to be pretty cool.
0: And then you you also you write so much and you do so much you're talking about putting out another solo record and you're saying that'll come out the same way with singles at a time and leading up is that kind of a a, a marketing thing now or is that just the way things happen is that the easiest way to put things together nowadays
2: it's the it's the way things work now yeah Yeah. partially because of like spotify number one if you put out um if you have an album of 10 songs let's say and you put out eight singles before the 10, you've had eight opportunities to get on playlists. Um, and there's an event with each release versus okay. just like the, you know, cause like you said, the attention span of people is so short now yep. that it, once you drop an album in two months, it's like old news and we've forgotten that that even happened. But if you go, you just, you kind of like stretch out the, uh, the, the uh, relevance of a record by doing it. So and, and Spotify, you know, they always say, you know, they've been saying like you need to you, the days of making an album every two years is over. Like now you need to put something out every, all, all, yeah. all the time constantly. and just constantly be doing something. And, you know, um, so fortunately, our world is now is streamlined enough where that's possible yeah. and it's not so like, you know, daunting of a task to do
0: that. So but, is there some kind of a Ryan and Pony thing in the works of coming out? early soon again to keep that rolling. we don't
2: we don't know honestly okay. but um i know uh Pravda mentioned uh, maybe doing like a an acoustic version of some oh, of the okay. songs you know like so mm-hmm. something like that um but you know we still have the i i think there's still a lot of life in moshi moshi it's yeah like, i'm really proud of that record I think there's a lot of you know,
0: there's a lot of great this. songs on, on there that haven't been heard yet there and you've done a lot of videos for him too um only how much visual do you have? Do you have a lot? Uh, some visual um, ideas that go along with the records and 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 the things that happen? Do you
2: have videos just,
1: and stuff? Um, I mean, I I don't right now. I mean, I mm-hmm. but it, you probably uh,
2: do. You you you're always visual and what? Yeah, you, that's is,
1: true. I, I mean, mean, I kind of morphed because of the artwork. Like the artist made these like avatars and mm-hmm. she had me pick my hair color or whatever, and the, so I just morphed my stage look to look like yeah. this avatar because <laughs> it looked like ryan doing it. i'm like well okay i'll wear a wig but i'm, I'm not going to do the wig thing anymore so there, there's okay. that because it <laughs> rips my hair out i get traction alopecia. Yeah. not very fun um and when you flop your head around like that you, yeah. you can't i don't know i don't know how like i guess i gotta figure out like the glue and i don't know i'm just kidding <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying to be more self-accepting too you know i want to promote that too right. like I'm okay with that I have fine hair Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that it's not thick and luscious and whatever, you know, but, and, and, you know, even aging, you know, just um, being a performer out there, you know.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of things like that. Um, I noticed when uh, uh, Soul Asylum toured, they did a lot with uh, Local H. Yeah. And when Melismatics toured and you did a lot with bands that you carried along with you, um, or that you met in other cities, and you brought, and you kind of stayed on tour. And you t- mentioned Benjamin uh, Cartel, Cartel, yeah. who you've done a lot of shows with. It seems like yeah. you've kind of matched up. Is that something with Ryan and Pony when you get back on the road that maybe you'll kind of find somebody to match up with? And and I think and that's kinda, how, is that is that
2: a I think that's how yeah I think that's like how doing? it works. You kind of find your somebody you get along spirits, with. Spirits, yeah. yeah, and you go well. That makes sense to play with these guys. Um, we'd had some. Before COVID hit and everything, there we had some tour offers. I forget who they were with, but like mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, and they were good ones. They were too. good ones and stuff, but I don't remember who they were yeah. with. But um, but they, you're looking
0: for that stuff to come back around and all that people are starting to tour again and stuff. Um, I kind of
2: there's a part of me I might be the only one in the Melismatics that still misses the days of like, I don't know. I love playing those small clubs and getting, I do like, miss those and then you know hanging out with the other bands and just uh, I I love the days of like being in those tour vans and. You know, you just had friends and it was like everybody was in bands and you'd go and hang out and it was fun, you Mm -hmm, know. so
0: Uh, We're going to go into another song, uh, one more song off of um, Moshi Moshi. But uh, I want to ask a little bit about the Prince song at the end. Um, You do uh, uh, I Would Die For You, right? And then you did that live uh, in your shows and then you put it on the end of the record. So is that a song that dear to you or is that something that fits with the Ryan and Pony release or it, is that an homage to something else or what's the yeah kind of the m- purpose behind one cover song well, never a cover song i don't think there was ever a cover song on Melismatic no. stuff right
2: it was very intentional really um, i think first and foremost i mean well it's a song i always loved i think did you love that song always i was too i
1: did i liked yeah, it yeah it's
2: just a beautiful song and then the um when when Prince died, I was doing these acoustic gigs, and I think I had a gig the day he died, or after he died, and I was just like, I'm gonna play that song, just because it took on this other level of meaning to me, you know, like, mm-hmm. and uh, played that song acoustically, and then um, I think it was just when we were getting ready for our first gig ever, we were gonna cover, we were just like, well, let's cover that song, because we're playing First Avenue, it was still timely, you know, and, and and uh, but we were like, but let's not play it like Prince did it because you can't right. top that. You know, you just do something different. So what are we gonna do? And I think we just said like let's play it like we think Joy Division
1: would. Oh, play. okay.
2: Or New Order or something. Yeah,
1: because like the bass, I was like, oh, it's so simple. And so I remember like doing the driving bass and
2: hmm. yeah. yeah. And there's that song Ceremony by New Order, and yeah. it was the last Joy Division song. First new order song, do 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 do, and so we're like, okay, here's the vibe. Let's get this vibe going. Okay, and then we ended up just with Peter jamming it out, and it turned into what it was, and it was like intentionally not trying to be like a replication of Prince's version, because again, like. No, you, why would you why would you mess right, with that? That's right. perfect like, but then you just make But you do own. put your
0: own spin on it and yeah. you make it sound your own too. I mean, it's got a very good sound to it and that's why I thought it's really interesting that you put it on there because, you know, it is hard to cover Prince and not be Prince. But you did that on that and it came off really good as as your very own song and and very different and it's really neat that you put it on the end kind of as a as a period. Yeah, to the album. Yeah, I, I kind of saw it as that a little bit, and you play it at the end of the shows as kind of almost yeah. a, a period yeah. for the shows. You know,
2: also like a, like speaking of how there's a cinema to an album, I feel like that song, yeah, on that second, I you know like on the vinyl copy side too, when you kind of follow the arc of the songs, you know, right like the third to last song is the song called "Take It or Leave It," and it's mm-hmm. kind of you know aggressive, and then. Yep. There's a song, Come Find Me, which is a song about, like, being lost, essentially. Then you have a song that's about redemption and kind of this, like, unconditional love that is the last song. So it just kind of seemed like that was, like, the way it should go. Yeah, because I still like albums to have a flow and you know yeah you it
0: seems like that's that's lost with you talk about spotify and yeah. i don't want to get I don't know, on a yeah. whole other thing right, but right. but it seems like that's really lost in a lot of albums of the flow of the album and and one song meaning going into the other and that and i think that, that you, i hear that in the melismatics records and in this ryan and pony you really hear that and it makes you feel good the mm-hmm. record makes you feel good for that reason that it, it takes you on a journey yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. uh we're gonna end end with uh, the the song uh, uh, start making sense, and this is I thought this was a little more political uh, yeah. tone on on the record.
2: Yeah, totally. Um,
0: is that it? So I'm I'm right on that. it a look at a little, a little yeah, more politics it's very, behind very, it.
2: Very political. I, I I think that just real quick the story behind the song. I was driving um, and listening to the radio, and I was just like thinking how. Um, you know, I've been listening to the news, and I'm I'm a news junkie, a uh, political junkie like and it really feels like the world has like kind of lost its mind, mm-hmm. you know, and uh the current was playing stop making sense uh-huh. a song by the talking heads, and I just was thinking, how ironic <laughs> is this that there was a time that right. they felt like it was necessary to say stop not making, making sense. sense we're making too yeah. much sense people yeah. this world is too logical i'm right. like uh that's <laughs> not now <laughs> now we need to start yeah. making sense because this is like become completely insane yeah. and you know i don't we won't even we don't need to get into it i'm right. sure but yes like can we know things? Yes, we can know things. <laughs> can we listen to other people, hear them out? Yes, we can. We can communicate humanely and like listen and mm-hmm. treat people well. Like we don't like what you know. Anyway, yep. so moving on. But that's that was like the, that was like the first inspiration right. for that song.
0: So this will be. Uh- uh, start making sense from uh, Ryan and Pony. Really appreciate you guys coming. And this at the end of this song, you will heal Skylar, right? This is yeah, yeah, yeah. A little <laughs> bit Skylar. of it like that was.
2: So this is when she was super young. And the funny story is that that wasn't intentional. She literally, I was tracking one of the guitars. She came up right behind me with, with the harmonica and just started playing. And then I was like, "That's staying. That's got to <laughs> stay. Like that's not going." You
0: know? Yeah. Thanks for coming in, guys. Really appreciate this. This is really fun. Thank you. Thank All right. you. This will be uh, Ryan and Pony with. Start making sense. Thanks to Ryan and Pony for joining us on this episode. Thanks to Javi for putting it together and Jimmy for running the board. You can hear this episode again or any past episodes of the non-podcast anywhere podcasts are available. And thank you for listening.